Hello! Welcome to the Mind Buffs Podcast. I am your host, Matt Demoisak, and I'm here for episode three with none other than Mr. Nick Johnson. Hi, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that very kind intro. You're welcome, you're welcome. Um, so in our first two episodes, we got to hear some really cool stories just about your kind of journey up through the, the ranks in hockey to your professional years. We then nerded out a lot about uh, identity foreclosure since we both wrote our our capstone kind of thesis um, in grad school on that concept. And we're going to extrapolate a bit more on that. Um, And also just kind of talking about how our identity evolves and how sometimes we think that we need to change who we are, change our identity as we play more um, like in, in higher levels, play more competitive sport. And just kind of like challenging that notion yet, you know, it it definitely is an experience that I think many of us feel like, oh, I must be someone else now that I'm playing at this level. Really just kind of challenging that even hearing some of like Nick's stories talking about that. Um, But I was kind of curious for you, Nick, what from those first two conversations we've had really stuck out for you as, as things that maybe you wanted to explore a bit more. Yeah, I think it's always nice to reflect on our own journeys and just kind of draw more wisdom, I guess, from now and looking back and things like that. So I think when you had mentioned, you know, your low handicap of of 10, <laughs> <laughs> and then you just kind of described how getting back into competitive, trying to compete at, at something and, and golf was what it was, but how it kind of just like floored you right back into when you're 19 or, or younger and just having a flurry of thoughts and of I got to do this, 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 and you felt like you weren't maybe connected with your more true self or your more true kind of identity that you've probably had to reflect on a lot over the years and you know it's kind of the best for you now. Um, I just, I found that really, really fascinating how you could even feel it. Like it was like a really Mm -hmm. kind of almost like a dichotomous thing where you were like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Um, So yeah, I just, I I found that to be really fascinating. I'm sure on some level it's kind of making my gear spin too about how I've, you know, when I, approach sport these days so i don't know yeah tell me yeah. more about kind of the feeling you got yeah it's it's funny even you you just mentioning that like i can literally feel things moving in my body like feeling uncomfortable and and, and having really vivid memories of like being on the first tee box for you know that first like amateur tournament and you know in our first couple episodes we had kind of talked about how you know we need to experience identity moratorium which is this space where we explore all aspects of self and really try to um, nurture like all the different parts of ourselves, all the different parts of our life so that we can have a more sustainable identity that can kind of take the the blows, the hits, the surprises of life without it kind of feeling catastrophic. And, you know, I feel like I did that with every other aspect of my identity, except for my athletic one, hmm. because that one was kind of put on hold. Like when, when my career ended at, at 19 where like I just was never going to be able to play any type of like contact sport ever again. Um, I kind of shelved that part of myself. I think I thought that when I started coaching high level sport, that, that that was the same identity that I was just kind of like channeling that, that younger athletic identity into like this new coaching identity. But clearly last year when I was the one responsible for the actual performance, I had not <laughs> nurtured my athletic identity and it did not go very well. <laughs> that's, that's interesting you say that. Yeah. I'm just getting a flashback to like my last day of pro. Mm. 
in Sweden, game seven against HV71 in <laughs> Jonchipping, Sweden. Um, I wasn't playing. I was kind of like out of the lineup most of the thing, but just like remembering the feelings of how strange it was. And I think I have done a, uh, a decent job at like processing all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd love to hear more kind of kind of where you're going to that, like how you was kind of like a full stop. And I think kind of what you're saying that you thought maybe the coaching would kind of continue that identity or yeah. turning me in a way, but I'm sure there was threads that definitely did. Yeah. But maybe the bulk of it was still like less touched than you thought. Yeah. Cause like as a coach, like the focus isn't on you. I mean, mm-hmm. some coaches think it is and that's where you get toxic <laughs> that's coaching. That's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like, again, it was focused back on that, that value of mine, which is like connection that like, I know that I'm my best when I'm connecting with other people around me. And so when I go to an individual sport mm-hmm. where it's so easy to think that like you are, you know, no man is an island, but like I thought that I was an island. Mm. I, I literally remember the moment. It was kind of like that Happy Gilmore scene where, you know, <laughs> he was experiencing it positively. I was experiencing it negatively where all of a sudden he just like focuses on like where he wants to hit the ball. And the camera like moves super fast to like the destination. For me, it felt like the camera went from having that wide zoom of the beauty, the other people, just how amazing the experience was to be back in like, you know, competitive sport again. And it felt like the camera was actually retreating back into myself Mm. and that I became acutely aware of how uncomfortable I felt, of how much I felt like, especially like as a sports psychologist, that I needed to perform well to like prove to others that like I know my shit and that I'm able to like, you know, use the things that I preach. And all of a sudden, all of these expectations that I put on myself, it felt like I was a teenager again. The same kind of mindset that prevented me from being as consistent as, as I know I could have been earlier in my career. And I couldn't shake it until like the second round, like my entire first round was like just fighting this teenager inside of me that thought like, you know, it was his time to shine again. And it was just such a gross experience, man. Like, Mm. (laughs) oh, I felt so bad. I did. I just liked your comment about like the coach is going to bench you for the next hole or something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I found it really interesting how you were like, you know, like the camera kind of, you felt like it was kind of more of like an internal focus in a way mm-hmm. or like, you know, tasks inside of yourself. You had to perfect all these things yeah. to perform. Yeah. But it's interesting, like how you, you can kind of visualize that, like you can focus on such a kind of grander scale, a more wide zoom scale, more like you can kind of be more places at once with different people. You can have a really, it's kind of a flow state for you probably. Yeah. But then those old, maybe those roots, those threads, I don't know what from our past that just like, no, come right back to me. Like, I'm here waiting for you. Like, if you wanted to get into it, like, I know how all of these narratives like weave together as to like why, like, you know, I felt that way and feel that way um, in competitive spaces. But, you know, I I had a dad who played professional hockey as well. So, um, and there's just a lot of successful people in my family, whether it's business or athletics, um, so there's always kind of been this subliminal expectation of like, you know, I need to excel at the things that like I put my time and effort into. And I can think back of some of the best games I ever played. They were like when I was like 13, 14, a couple at 15. But as like the pressure increased um, by playing like AAA, like hockey, it was like I lost sight of 
when I was my best. I didn't do it like consciously. It was, I can literally feel the difference between that flow state feeling of, of actually being aware of everything around me. And that's a good thing because I think a lot of people mistake being in the zone as like just focusing on yourself. And that's actually not flow state. Like that prevents you from having any peripheral awareness in your sport and you actually become kind of shit at reacting to the moment. So I know that for me, I start performing really poorly when I am just thinking about myself, mm-hmm. thinking about how uncomfortable I'm feeling, thinking about, to your point, like how perfect I need to be to succeed in that moment. And like, I didn't want to, but it literally felt like this teenager woke up out of bed after you know sleeping for 16 years and like flipped the switch and went, okay, I got it from here now. And it was just the most uncomfortable <laughs> situation. Yeah. So tell me more about that. It sounds like it took a round or two, mm-hmm. but ultimately I feel like that's, that's a normal reaction to not maybe competing for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. something like this is, you know, it's not unexpected in a way, even though maybe we, I don't know if I'd expect that either. It sounds like you didn't expect it, but what did your true identity, what did your kind of true flow state maybe being maybe kind of like wisdom, mm-hmm. Like, what can you take out of that? Like, how was the battle one over mm. that teenager? How was the battle one to get you out of that space and to be like, how did you mm. almost like defeat the teenager's yeah. arguments? Or how, like, you know, what yeah. what lessons can we actually learn from that? So I think the issue was that I was actually trying to defeat the teenager. Okay. And instead of kind of accepting it, I realized that... Um, kind of to get a little existential now that that there's like this, I think I'd say like 16 or 17 year old teenage hockey player part of me that I've kind of abandoned, um, that I'm like, I have a lot of like resentment towards. Yeah. And so when I noticed it, I, I think I got really angry that I thought like I wasn't going to feel like this ever again or that I thought it was like beyond that experience. And so rather than like defeating, I basically, uh, it's so funny. This feels embarrassing to say, but like it's it's what happened. Basically, balled my eyes out on the way home after the first tournament, mostly from embarrassment that I still felt that way, that I still acted like that teenager self. But I think what was important was that I actually needed to grieve that part of my life. I think even though I did go to therapy, like after my like career ended in a <laughs> blaze of uh, of glory, that I really hadn't fully grieved. The fact that, you know, I committed, you know, 12 years of my life to something fully and I had very little say when it came to when I stopped being that person. So I think what the tournament really allowed me to do was to finally grieve that chapter of my life. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it was it was a quite a wild experience for me. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think, you know, they say in like parts work like internal family systems but like you know looking at our parts often that 16 year old probably had some sort of needs and some sort of place in your life and Mm -hmm. maybe you made a rule to never be in that mindset again or something you know some sort of Mm. vow you know to to stay away from thinking a certain way but it's like it's, it's powerful how you kind of just like accept that but also gave it space to be like you know what that that did suck. Like that was tough. And and I haven't maybe fully got there. You know, it's like I think it's a misconception that we have to like let the past die or let mm-hmm. it full stop, kind of like move mm-hmm. on. 
you know, but threads stay with us. And it's like, how do we integrate those into ourselves or how do we yeah. just like listen, but also be like, okay, well, there's a more mature way now or, or whatever, kind of however you want to frame that. Mm-hmm. It's, that's, thanks for sharing that. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's funny. As soon as you started saying that, like I actually know why I kind of abandoned that part of myself. I think like after going through therapy and, and starting to kind of build a life outside of sport and build some really amazing friendships and start working <laughs> like, you know, like everyone else. Um, I never wanted to feel like I had to prove myself ever again. Mm-hmm. And I think when I think about that 16 year old, it was like this feeling of like, you know, fucking notice me. Cause like I was very alone as a teenager and mm-hmm. people only knew me as a hockey player. So again, mm-hmm. just adding to how easy it was for me to become foreclosed that mm-hmm. people only ever knew me as like the fastest hockey player they'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they only cared about my stats and that I win the day before. And so I think at 19, I was like, I never want to feel like I do things to like prove to people that I'm, that I'm good enough. And it just felt so gross at 35 to feel that way again, that I needed to prove to the group I was with, to prove to the team of mind bus, my friends and family that like, yo man, like I still got it. Like, mm. look at me go. And I play so bad. Yeah. And no, I, I get feelings like that too. Even just that Thursday hockey, like, mm-hmm. you know, make a good play, bad play. And it's like, judgment and it feels like really familiar even though it's like you know moved on in lots of ways and even at the end of my career it wasn't quite as present as earlier on but still some of those things kind of stick with you and yeah, that was powerful thank you yeah no actually thanks for asking in some way i'm, I'm kind of grieving a little bit even now as as we speak like i'm not done grieving yeah. it's not like we have yeah, one yeah. good cry it's like sweet i'm over it yeah, like right. like it's a it's a process but if you don't mind me asking, um, just because like we do play like hockey together now and 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 have those skates, um, I don't think I've ever actually really asked, um, especially someone who's played at a professional level in sport, what is it like for you playing the sport you grew up playing, but you know after your career, like what what is that like for you? Yeah, it's funny. I'll quickly mention. I think I heard it on Huberman Lab. Okay, when you monetize or incentivize something you love even though you love it at first as soon as you kind of take that money away it changes it a lot or it changes your motivations for playing right so it's funny like in a way that hasn't touched me but in another way it has like when i was still playing you kind of realize how one it it truly is objectively a pretty difficult life or it's like a pretty difficult task that you're asked to do every day six days a week maybe four days off a month Mm. so you get a little bit of cynicism maybe towards it i I really stopped i really started to hate the game but i always kind of loved the sport but getting paid to do the sport changes your relationship with it so it did take me a little bit of time but i feel like even now heading out for you know one a week two a week i still really do love trying to make plays and just skating and passing, shooting, whatever. Yeah. So I do really, you know, if I didn't, I wouldn't go, right? Like, I, I really do love it. I really do try to make cool plays or, like, try to score. And, yeah, no, I like, I, I super enjoy it. You know, I like it when it's competitive, but not that competitive. But mm-hmm. it is it is, it is, is different, like, the way I had to play as a pro versus, like, on a rec skate. So it's, like, that is kind of unique. I don't know how I would handle, say, they threw me with Stony Plain Eagles or something like right. that, like a, a level I could kind of handle, uh, assuming I got back in shape. 
Like I, I bet you I'd have a similar reaction. I'd get a lot of strange old mm-hmm. patterns reemerge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think in some ways I'd, I'd have more wisdom into the game. I'd have more of a better perspective on how do you apply myself fully or like to really go for it. I think yeah. even some, I had, I was lucky enough to have some time away here and there during the hockey journey and like during the lockout, but also when I had that concussion, Yeah, I really like, I don't know. I think I use those times really well. Or even I was like healthy scratch for a couple of games when I first got to Minnesota. And it's like just watching the game from 50 feet up in the press box, like, you, you kind of get better unless you're just bitter and like this right. is stupid. Like I, wow, I have more, way more time out there than I think. It's it's different now. Still have the love of the sport for sure. Okay, yeah, because like I know, like I've I've talked to like other, um, like former pro hockey players and like Olympians, um, you know, people that reach the highest level, and and some are like, you know, I'll never play my sport again. Like, you know, I achieved everything I could, or like, you know, I'll never be able to play at that level. So, you know. You know, I don't, I don't want to be yeah, a part like, of what's it. the point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. Like that. Yeah. Um, and so like, I don't know where, where you fall within that. And, and then the second thing um, that, that I've kind of heard from, from people is like, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to be like competitive again, even if I do play. So you're just kind of like going through the motions is kind of what I've kind of insinuated from talking to some of those other um, athletes. So I guess like for you, like, have you experienced flow state as a hockey player, like post career, I'd say I'd say yeah, okay, for sure. It's hard to say. What I found hard, if I don't warm up, um, with like a quick workout, yeah, I find it harder to just do the tasks, like you know, use the skill and like feel like I know what I'm doing. Like just my legs feel awful. <laughs> so I I kind of need something like that to get my body going, and I I like doing that. Cause it actually makes me feel way better after don't I'm like my, I'm just so sore my neck. I get headaches and stuff like that. But certainly there are moments where like, I'll just make a nice move or a nice shot or like things work out. But it's also like, I feel in touch with the ice, with the puck, mm. you know, I feel like I'm in touch with, you know, spatially with everything going on. I'm in the right place. I'm skating the right speed. Like I, I feel like there, there's lots of moments like that. I would say for sure. Okay. I experienced that. And yeah. yeah, as a sports psych, I'm very curious, like, how can I kind of get in those moments? But also, you know, like, I like our skates because it's a lot of back and forth and we'll be down like six goals and <laughs> that can happen. And it's like really interesting to just like, I don't know, not get negative and just like kind of work on our craft a little bit. I find yeah. it really fun, actually. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, yeah, because I think I've, I've definitely noticed like watching like you play the games where you're like, you're really feeling it and like in flow and and in the games where like your body just ain't it that day yeah 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 <laughs> like it just like passes explode and i'm not <laughs> i'm not on it so i think that is a little bit like you know i had years of competitive yeah full warm-up 20 minute or you know 45 minute off ice warm-up and a 20 minute on ice warm-up and it's so like not having that before a skate is like kind of different right totally yeah, like, I don't know, it's nice with no pressure, no expectations, just like, I wonder, I wonder how it, like, uh, that would be a cool mental exercise of like, okay, if, say tonight was like, you know, a huge game for me, say I had to sign another contract or something like that, and like, I had to, I had to perform tonight, like, I, mm. it'd be really interesting how things might be different or the same. What yeah. party would show up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be, I don't know, like, I, I it would be cool, I don't know if you can really recreate that, but. Yeah. 
like when just kind of thinking it back to like the second round that I had in that that tournament in that golf tournament. No, I was more myself. I I made a concerted effort. Um, it's funny actually. I made this little booklet. <laughs> Such a sports like I made a little booklet after the first round. I was like, okay, like I need. Clearly, I'm not in a place where I can trust that I can just be myself. Like, there's this this younger part that still is trying to hijack like yeah. my prefrontal cortex, and so I bought this little book and I wrote down a bunch of truths about like who I am, what I want my relationship to the sport to be, and kind of like what are just a handful of like final swing thoughts I can have just to make sure that like my brain is focusing on like the most important thing in that moment. So this little book of little quotes and sayings, things that I do hold dear, like as a sports psych, uh, uh, playing other sports, like just being with other people. And so I, I made an effort like before every shot to like open this book. Cause I, I also doubled it as like my yardage book. So yeah, like right. I had to look at it for certain yeah, yardages. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, right. So I had these visual cues um, and, and that's why those visual cues, like when we're working with our athletes are so important is that like, yeah, we get it. We don't expect that you're going to automatically remember everything that we've done in session and be able to implement it immediately. We need those visual or those verbal reminders so that it can eventually become new procedural memory where it's just kind of happening automatically. So like in my second round, you know, I, it was still a fight. Like I felt that freaking teenager, like mm-hmm. every hole, but I at least had something that was more effective at pulling me away from that that fight and and just getting back to the focus that I typically have when I'm just playing with my friends. Um, but yeah, like even as a sports psych, even playing at you know a higher level in, in a lot of sports I grew up playing, we still have to work at it. Like it's not just automatic. It's not just easy. Yeah. Some of my best games, I feel like over time, it felt like a battle inside. Like, you know, I had to, I remember this time in Calgary with Phoenix. I think we were we were on for a goal against early. It was kind of my man. I didn't. I just didn't get to the point to block it, and then the shot got through. Maybe a rebound goal or something against. And whatever, I kept getting shifts, so that was a good sign. Yeah. But still, I remember in the second the bench was kind of quiet. It was like some sort of moment of like you know you're trying, you're exerting yourself, you're you're tired, and then it's like. Oh, I'd rather just kind of sit here and kind of join the mood of the bench. Oh yeah. But I knew like for my own game that wasn't good. And so it's like it was like, yeah, like a sword fight really in my mind. Like you're like you're trying to like get that positive belief zone mode, whatever turned on. And it feels like it's like takes energy, right? Yes. But I, I do think it's like kind of one of those things when the ball's rolling, then it then it's like more yeah. automatic and maybe I guess what flow state could be yeah. easier from that. Yeah, like I remember, it was like, frick, like this, this positive thinking stuff is kind of hard. Like it's not just like, you know, it's not not so simple, right? It's it just it takes effort for sure. Definitely. Anyways, I had a good end of the game and stuff, but huh. I actually scored. It was my first goal in front of my dad and mom too. So it was oh, kinda, cool. So I played in front of them, but um, yeah, actually my last Rancho goal in Calgary. Wow, really cool. Yeah, that's a really cool memory. Yeah. Actually, um, I was just having this conversation with with a client of mine, just kind of talking about like what is your ideal environment um, for you to like play your best. And we got to talking about how like um, I know looking back in my career, for me, for me, I actually played my best games when I had um, like my friends and family there. Always played really well when they were there. Mm. Um, but I, I know for some people, it's like yeah. the complete opposite. For you, like what did it make a difference for you at all? 
I'd say yes and no. I don't, I don't know. They're, they came to a lot of games. Just it so happened in NHL, they didn't yeah. make it to a ton. Maybe he, I don't know, maybe my dad still saw me score before that. I don't know. But it's hard to say. Sometimes friends and family like coming to town mm. took more out of your day as a bit of a right. distraction in a way. Yeah. But often I got to a good place where that was actually kind of helpful sometimes. Like you get a, a removed perspective for couple days of the year and you play just fine and it's kind of nice right yeah um, but yeah no i can't really say either way i don't know if there really is a yeah yeah so maybe neutral for yourself yeah okay. yeah for me definitely it it makes a difference it's um it's actually there's there's research on this as well um looking at again just optimal level of performance and so they were looking at like three different skill levels like people who are dog shit because they've never done it before yeah. People who do you want to call them that or what? <laughs> yeah. beginners, not sorry, beginners, the newbies, the people excited to learn a new thing. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, can we edit that last part out? Anyway, um, so yeah, beginners, and then people who are are good but have tons of mastery left, and then like masters, people who are yeah. really excellent at the skills. And so what they were looking at is like if they had other people watching how would that impact their performance at all three skill levels? Um, for people that were like beginners, didn't really impact it at all because there isn't really... They had no expectations. Yeah, no expectations, right? So it was kind of fine. And then there's like the people in the middle group completely sabotaged yeah, their performance. I, I could see that. Yeah. Just crippled like them. A, that's the old cliff, like <laughs> that anxiety cliff. Or totally. Yeah. And then for the people that are, are more like masters, um, they would perform better. It's like when we know we are great at something and we have the opportunity to show other people, it actually can improve our performance. But even for masters, right? People who are playing at the NHL, people who are playing at the PGA, if their mindset going into the game is that like, I'm not very good. It's like they recede back into that, that medium talent that group. medium band, yeah, yeah. And then having people watch then sabotages their performance. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, I it was one of the coolest studies that I came across. Really like that one. I like that. It's a good, it's a good like a good general rule. Like mm-hmm. even if you're at that level, but you struggle with confidence, it's like this is something to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. Really, one of my favorite bits of research. And so for like you and even just like talking about this, or even when you think about like playing hockey still on 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 Thursdays. Do you have a lot of like memories or moments that come up from your professional um, years, either like positive or negative? Yeah, there, there's lots of moments. I feel like it's interesting. It's like trying to remember when you were a kid, you know, and there's mm. so many foggy times that I don't know, some memories constructed or not. I don't know. Right. But it's like, it's kind of like that. I see it now. It's been already eight years, nine years. And like, it's funny, like I'll somehow watch a game or watch some highlights or something or like come across something. It's like, oh, I don't remember that doing that play at all, mm. which is like natural. I mean, thousands of plays a month yeah. in, a, in a hockey season. Yeah. But so it's, it's hard to like, I don't know, I, I'm trying to find a, a good way to answer that. I was more just like kind of thinking about how like, is there that sticky memory that that one that keeps kind of coming up or are there some like positive memories that like you always kind of look back like fondly? Yeah, there's, there's both. There's highlights and kind of low lights mm-hmm. for sure. Anger and like frustrations at how things didn't go well. Yeah. Like some feelings of like injustice in a way. Totally. 
good things, things I wish went better. Yeah, like it's a pretty mixed bag. It was a grind. It was hard. So it was like, you're going to get all kinds of different reactions to it. And it's going to, you know, you don't look back like, oh, those times were so great and so easy. You know what I mean? So it's like, it kind of is what it is at this point. It's like, you know, I don't yeah. know. That, no, I understand. Like, I don't know if that's satisfying. <laughs> Maybe not the most satisfying answer, but yeah. more like a realistic response. Like, yeah. yeah, like I experienced it all because it, it was difficult. Yeah. When you do difficult things, there's pain and there's also just elation. Yeah. And so, yeah, I know. I can even just see it in your face, like you going through the different highlight reels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe unintentionally, the the theme of our, our conversation today is just being able to accept like all different parts of yourself and to notice that, you know, there might be some shadow parts of yourself, some older parts of yourself that maybe you are embarrassed about or you feel like shame or resentment towards that, like they're still going to come up. And that doesn't mean that that you're a failure or you're messing up in some way or that you're like doing something wrong. That like when we completely devote ourselves to something that we absolutely love, there's gonna be so much heartbreak. There's going to be so much joy. You're gonna have every experience that humans have. Mm -hmm. And like as an athlete, I think we experience higher highs and lower lows because we are fully committing every aspect of ourselves to that pursuit. And so even post-career or even jumping into new competitive spaces, these parts are still with us. And I think you and I are both, <laughs> even just in this conversation, like processing out loud that like we still have these experiences and, and it's, it's kind of um, surreal that we kind of have these moments still. So yeah, it was just really cool. Like kind of hearing you share some of those stories too. Yeah. I always love talking and just like, you know, whether I, I liked it or not, when I first retired, I'd get these thoughts and kind of process all that, this stuff and stay up at night, kind of angry at various things that happened. And like, it never really quite ends, you know, even yeah. though I'm a little better at like turning some of that stuff down. Cause like, Hey, concerned mind you're not wrong but like there's <laughs> other ways i can spend my time right now or i need to get to bed or you yeah know, like, you get better yeah be like okay is this really do i need to need to process this again right now like maybe not right but but yeah no it's you can't avoid it forever you need that time to be creative with yourself and to, mm. like just like yeah yeah well i'm really looking forward to being able to explore um that and even like learning from you what kinds of environments or what teams like different parts of yourself were able to kind of either reveal themselves more or retreat kind of into the background so yeah again really appreciate having these really open conversations and you even challenging me a bit today yeah. and uh, yeah looking forward to our next chat so again uh, for those of you that are listening to this uh, would really just appreciate the old like and subscribe um, we feel like these conversations um, can really hit home for a lot of people so if you know someone that uh, they would really benefit from listening to this then pass it along so thanks again and uh, we'll see you next time thank you